Hello and welcome to Jonathan's Verdicts. I'm Jonathan Simeone. The title of this episode is All About the Coronavirus. The verdict for this episode is I will talk no politics and no economy during this episode. As always, I don't have a script and I don't edit these podcast episodes. They are just a chance for me to talk about what's on my mind. I'm recording this episode on Tuesday morning, April 7th, 2020. I'm in the middle of my fourth week working at home. I have been nowhere except to the vet with Yuffie and Mr. Rogers and a grocery store in almost a month. It's hard for me to go anywhere uh, because public transit is not a very good place to be right now. And really, where would I go with so many things being closed and attempting to be replaced virtually? But as it sets in, as the deaths mount and the cases mount, it's important, I think, to take a step back and discuss where we are, what we may know, and what could be coming. Before doing that, though, it is important to admit that none of us really know what's going to happen. Everything that I'm about to say is speculation. I like to believe it's informed speculation, but it is speculation nonetheless. And pretending otherwise, as many experts quote-unquote do, is dishonest. The truth is, we don't know anything about this virus. That's why it's called a novel coronavirus. And so, since everything is determined these days by the virus, we can't really have a good idea of what's going to happen. That being said, I think there are some important points that are worth talking about. And that is the possibility of waves. We know from other terrible viral pandemics that waves can often happen. The most chilling example is the flu of 1918 that came in the spring as a very mild version, relatively speaking, and came back in the fall and killed about 50 million people worldwide. And the reality of it is the flu of 1918 seems to have just gone away on its own. Quite possibly it was that a number of people got it and recovered and developed immunity to it. And sadly, millions upon millions of people died. The reality of coronavirus is that until there is a vaccine, 
the best guess is there will be waves. And a safe, you know, ethical vaccine won't be ready for 12 to maybe 18 months. That's the normal trajectory of those things. And so what this means is that we will almost certainly have a second wave and maybe a third wave. Now, here's the interesting piece of all of this. Social distancing was clearly the correct move. Unequivocally, the social distancing, stay-at-home policies save lives. Uh, I believe I have given myself a better chance at least of not getting sick by isolating, as I have described earlier in this episode. But at my age, I'm 45 and I don't have any underlying conditions. It's unlikely coronavirus would kill me had I got it. But it's very unpleasant. And I may have spread it to other people who died, who would could die. And so in addition to not wanting to be my, sick myself, I believe that I have a social responsibility to try to not get others sick. Uh, and that is especially true because uh, there are people who are not as lucky as I am. There are factory workers who cannot work from home. There are grocery workers, healthcare workers, delivery workers, and the like that we simply can't afford to have work from home. And so those of us who can, in my view, including me, have a responsibility to be extra diligent about what we do to make sure we are not spreading the problem. I saw one estimate uh, that came through the city of Portland, Oregon, where I live, that said 41% of the area has been working from home. I have no idea the accuracy of this, but it, you know, let's assume it's reasonably close. Here's the issue with waves. When society starts to slowly reopen and it's not going to be reopened in a, okay, now everybody goes back to work and uh, schools reopen and you can start going to religious services and sports come back online. It, there's no way it's going to be like that because of the waves, the expected waves. And here's, here's what all, all of this leads to. People like me and like many people who almost certainly have not gotten the virus. As society reopens and we are told, go back to work, go do this, go do that, you can do this, you can do that, uh, then we become susceptible to the virus. So just let's take New York City because it's been the hotbed of coronavirus in America and uh, it has a population of roughly 8 million people, which is a good number to, to work with for an example like this. 
so let's just assume that somewhere between a million and two million residents of New York City have been infected. Now, we, we can't possibly know how many because the testing simply isn't robust enough. But we know that, you know, by multiples, more than the couple hundred thousand they've tested have been infected. So let's just be aggressive here and say two million or a quarter of the population of New York City has been infected with coronavirus. Uh, that means that 75% of the city, because of social distancing and whatnot, has not been infected. So as things reopen, as people start slowly migrating away from social distancing, away from the six-feet limit, uh, there's still 75% of the people who could be infected. That's why when we talk about reopening, and we're seeing this in other countries now, uh, Austria and Denmark today are going to be the first European countries to quote-unquote reopen, and that the, their experience will be very influential on what happens to other countries around the world, including, of course, America. How well does it work? But they are not reopening, you know, everything at once. In Denmark, gatherings of 10, for example, uh, are still banned. Uh, schools aren't reopening today. Uh, they are doing it differently, and so it'll be interesting to see how they have different experiences. But the reality of it is that until there is a robust vaccine, if we reopen the country, we run a very large risk of many of those who have not yet been infected becoming infected. And because uh, a vaccine is... 12 to 18 months away. And this is the message that, you know, they won't talk about on television. A lot of these restrictions in some ways are going to be in effect for a year or more in this country from today, well into 2021. That is the most likely and, by the way, the most responsible outcome. Uh, because we're seeing in other places like Singapore originally was given a lot of credit for developing a robust testing plan and keeping uh, infection rates down and so forth. But starting tomorrow, they are going to be in lockdown because they, they are losing control. And, and that's that's the reality of it. Uh, there may not be widespread public events in this country for a very long time. There may not be mass gatherings for a very long time. Uh, or we could have a situation where things open for a month or two, then a new wave pops up and things close for another two months in more stringent fashion. Uh, 
but the reality of it is i and this is just this is again just speculation but the reality of it is if i was betting i would say we don't have it in us to really tame the virus and that as a society whether you know intentionally or not we are going to open in ways we shouldn't we are going to open uh faster and more often than we should um and that we are going to without acknowledging it formally um and many of us may not even acknowledge it you know in the privacy of our own homes we are going to say that we can't live like the way we would need to live and that a certain number of deaths are just going to be what happens uh because if the number one goal was saving as many lives as possible as many of these restrictions would stay in place as possible until there is a robust vaccine and and that simply is not going to happen and maybe you can argue you know with economic needs and so forth maybe it shouldn't happen but that is the terrible choice that we face now and that's the reality of a virus that we can't control we go on virus time now and you know every person especially when you have a virus like this that allows for asymptomatic transmission that is you can infect someone else without being sick yourself or having any way to know that you are a carrier of the virus when you have that situation eventually uh everyone is going to wind up ver- being very much exposed to the risk and i would say you know in america there's a there's a, a very high likelihood that 70 to 80% of the population will be infected by the time the waves are over now that won't mean that many people obviously will die you know the the death rate may be somewhere between 1 and 2% uh but that's still a huge huge number of people and the only thing we can do to limit that until there's a vaccine is social distancing it's staying home as often as you can it's keeping the 6 feet of separation from any anyone else when you go out and so life is not going to be anything like we remember for a, for a very long time uh that's just the reality of it uh, the the 2020 baseball season i'm a huge baseball fan there isn't going to be a baseball season this year and depending on the timing of the vaccine there won't be a typical baseball season in 2021 uh and depending on how many how well they are able to make tests and how widely available uh tests are 
there may not be a 2021 baseball season because in order to have something like that, you'd have to test multiple times everyone involved. Even if you were going to have no fans, you'd have to test all the players. You'd have to test uh, the umpires, the training staffs. You'd have to test the television and radio crews, the newspaper people. You'd have to figure out a hotel procedure. Um, uh, and you'd have to do all that in an environment where it wouldn't be classist to give those people all of these tests, which means there would have to be much more testing capability than there is today. And I kind of touched on this earlier, but the last thing I want to talk about is, uh, and it's not by any means because it's the least important. In some ways, this is what I'm about to say is the most important thing. But this has demonstrated uh, where we are uh, in the sense that I've seen people say the virus is an equalizer. Uh, and it is. It is an equalizer from the standpoint of, you know, anyone who can get it could die from it. Anyone is susceptible to getting it. But the impact of the virus in our society is not equal. The usual race and class disparities have been highlighted by this. Now, this episode is not the time to get into those, and I won't because I said I wouldn't. But it's really important to leave with that point, that what we are afraid of, those of us who come at things from a progressive ideology, has been magnified by this virus. And with that, since I couldn't get through this without involving any politics, <laughs> I will stop for now, and I'll be back soon with another episode that goes more into that. Thank you for listening to this episode of Jonathan's Verdicts.